Good evening. I am Queen Love, the self-love guru, and I coach newly health-conscious women to find self-love. Together, we will remove the F in fear, and I'll be the ear who intuitively listens and empowers you to destroy perceived limits so you can live your best life. Love and light. This is another episode of Hanging Out with Love, and today I really want to discuss this surviving r kelly documentary and have i watched it absolutely not um i know that there would be so many triggers there for me and i just i can't imagine hearing those stories and watching those women seeing what they've been through and then having adults come up there who knew about it and chose not to do anything or um, parents who basically sold their daughters into that system for the fame or the money. Um, it's, it's sick. And I wanted to take my platform and speak on the situation as a victim of sexual abuse and you know, also being a person who was not believed when I told the story um, about me being raped. And I remember when I was molested, um, they believed me, but nothing was done about it. And carrying that weight is, is the most painful thing that I've ever experienced. I mean, I'm even noticing um, some of the behaviors that I picked up as a result of me wanting to protect myself and be more assertive, having that backbone. Um, they, they were directly linked to that sexual abuse, even mirroring some of my romantic relationships. So um, I'm going to go ahead and get right into it and... I'll just start off with a fucked up story just so <laughs> you guys kind of know where I'm going with it. Um, and it, it's not funny, but I'm just like, it is a pretty fucked up story. So I just want you to be aware before I get into it. So I was nine years old. Um, this was at Thanksgiving and my father used to cook every year. And so um, they'd invited my um, grandfather over, who is my dad's dad. And um, his wife, which was, I guess you could say our step-grandmother. We didn't call her grandma. Her, She was Pat to us. I mean, we were supposed to call her Grandma Pat, but most of the time we just called her Pat and that was it. She was really mean. She was a mean-spirited woman. And we always felt like she didn't like us. And um, one year she brought her her grandson over. And so, you know, they would just call him our cousin because that was her grandson. And um, I remember watching TV and um, we were in my room. It was me, my sister, our friend Thomas. It was this white boy that lived in the neighborhood. He was sitting on the floor because his family, I'm not sure if they weren't cooking for Thanksgiving, but he came to eat at our house pretty often. And... um. I'm just sitting there watching TV and the boy asked me to sit on his lap. And I'm like, right here? And he said, yeah. And so I was like, okay. So um, I sat on his lap and I think it was my mom that came down the hallway. She was coming to say something to us. And um, he like he kind of tossed me off really quickly. And I didn't know why he had done that. So nine-year-old me is like, oh, well, maybe he was scared. You know, like, what, what was he afraid of? Like, why would you have to make me get off of your lap? So I sat back down where I was sitting. And when my mother left the room, he asked me to sit on his lap again. 
Now, mind you, this boy, he was either 15 or 16 years old. I can't remember um, exactly how old he was, but I know he was a teenager. He was older than me, and um, he was pretty big. And, you know, I just, I really did not know what to expect. Um, So they're still watching TV. I remember it like it was yesterday. We were watching SpongeBob, and um, I sat on his lap again, and he sort of eased his hand up. And I had on a dress, and um, he was sort of sliding my dress up, trying to touch my vagina. And um, I was just sitting there because, I mean, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And so I had never been in that situation before, and I just remember, you know, being afraid. Like, I didn't know whether I should say something and tell someone Um, I didn't know if like my sister or Thomas was going to turn around and see us or how they would react. I didn't know what to do. But like I said, I was nine years old. So these are conversations that definitely need to be had with your children um, early on. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to have that conversation with my kids. They're too young. You're never too young. If they're not too young to be sexually abused, then they're not too young for them to have a conversation about sex and you can let them know things in terms that they can understand you know there's plenty of videos that you can watch we're in the age of information so there's a way to do everything I don't expect you to go around and be like oh yeah if they stick this there then you know you don't have to do all of that but let them know that if someone touches them inappropriately what they should do about it because I had no idea so they leave. Um, I waited until they left to say something because I w- I didn't even know if I was going to tell, but I told them anyway. I told my mom and she told my dad and my father got um, upset with my mom. And she said, I'm going to fuck his ass up. And, um, you know, she was really upset and she said that we needed to call and make sure that they knew what had happened. And so um, my dad told my mother to let it go. And, um, you know, just basically not to worry about it. And I yes, I said that right. It was my father who told my mom to let it go. And not to worry about the fact that this boy had just touched me. Now, mind you, I didn't feel any kind of security. Like, I was glad, obviously, that he didn't live in our city. So I wouldn't have to see him again. Uh, And he never came back. He was never um, allowed back at the house. They never brought him back. But that was the first time that I had been sexually abused when I was nine years old by my um I can't even call the motherfucker my cousin like he was not related to me he was related to my dad's stepmom so um that occurred and uh, you know I watched I'm not sure if you all are familiar with Kev on stage but his name is Kevin Fredericks and um I watched the video where he was discussing the surviving R. Kelly documentary. And he was talking about how there were literally parents who, you know, would say, hey, my daughter wants to be famous. And, you know, I'm just going to give her over to you so she can achieve that fame. And it's like, what lengths are you willing to go? I mean, you're literally selling these baby souls. Oh, my God. And and he also discussed the rape culture and how women are always being blamed for what happens to them. If a woman is sexually assaulted, they want to know what she was wearing, what she was drinking, um, you know, if she was drinking did she have anyone with her? You know, why did she walk home by herself? Like, when did it become 
an issue for someone to just walk the fuck home. Like, she should be able to do that, you know? And um, at the end of it, he was talking about how he had saw something where, you know, people were discussing how they would keep pepper spray on them or they would call um, on their way, you know, just walking to the car because they were scared and, you know, they would keep their keys in their hand to use as a weapon just in case anything happened and, you know, making sure they had their keys ready and available. Excuse me. So they won't have to like fidget for anything, you know, taking too long to get into the car. And he said that he asked his wife about it. And his wife was like, yeah, you know, I do that all the time. And that's something that me and countless other women have done. Like, hey, I'm on my way to my car. I'm just, you know, trying to give you a call and, um, you know, let you know that I'm walking in. Or before I step out of my car, I'm like, hey, I'm about to walk in the house. So just stay on the phone with me. And you even have men that be like, okay, I know you're on your way home. Call me when you get to the house or call me on your way like call me when you get in the car and let me know that you're good I'll talk to you until you get home or whatever like it's real out here yo and I really feel like there's a war on women right now um and it's like this in so many places I have a professor who always speaks in class about how hard women have it and you know the culture towards aggression towards women and women not being protected women not feeling loved women not feeling secure and how a lot of women are victimized um by this rape culture and he was also mentioning you know how in the United States it's not even as bad as it is in some other countries i know um there are certain tribes where they have um, female circumcision. And if you guys have never heard of that before, it's just like um, when a man is circumcised and they take that extra skin off of his penis. But instead of just taking extra skin from a woman, they will literally cut off her clitoris so that she will not feel pleasure during sex like she wouldn't be able to experience oral sex and feel pleasure from that she wouldn't be able to masturbate um and that it's just so fucked up it's so fucked up how women are treated women who are um prisoners of war casualties of, of war are raped during wartime people will go through the villages and take the women out of the village and rape them and beat them and you know make them perform um sexual acts on the troops and i mean it's devastating it really is it's devastating and that's just to say the least just imagine what kind of trauma and damage these women are walking around with i mean even for myself i remember being in church one time and um there was this older man there and it's so fucked up because there's this guy that I went to school with and I found out that that was his father. I found out actually probably a year ago that that was his dad, but this happened when I was like 14. And so I was in a church play and there was this man, he smelled so fucking good, but he was short and he was bald and he was diesel and he had this gap and, um, his name is Orlando and um Orlando was always like smiling at me and when we would pray in church he would be holding my hand he would be rubbing my hand and um one day he kissed me and so he was always telling me like you know I know you're young but like, I like you, you know, like he wanted me and he was just telling me that I was different. And, you know, I I really believed that from him, but it also made me just a little bit uncomfortable. The fact that he was sneaking, you know, to do it like I'm like, OK, so he knows that this is wrong. It's wrong because he's sneaking just like how that situation happened when I was nine. He was being sneaky. So that had to be wrong. And, you know, that was my cognition at the time. And so I let my mom know. I was like, yeah, he, um, you know, was rubbing on my hand and he did this and he did that. And I'm just telling my mother as if, you know, there was nothing wrong with it because 
I just, I didn't know how she was going to react. And my mom was like, that's not okay. And I was like, okay, well, what are you going to do? You know, and my mom was like, I'm going to say something to him. And so she said something to him. She said, she walked up to him and just said, my daughter is 14 years old. And that's all she said. And I never saw him again. Like I never physically laid eyes on this man again. And um, not too long ago, he actually found my profile on Facebook and reached out to me. And um, like I said, I went to high school with his son. So it was just so bizarre. You know, I'm like, oh, shit, that's his dad. And oh, dude, he is fine as hell. Like, I would never know. I would never link the, the two of them together. Both of them are handsome. But I would never link the two of them together. But they literally have the same first name. They both have a gap. I mean, it's like, it's weird. And, um, yeah, when he sort of spoke to me um, a couple years back, I think this was in 2016 that I had spoken with him again. And he was telling me that he was seeing somebody that he loved and, you know, he believed in the whole sister wife thing. And he he said that, you know, she's on board with it. She's down for it. And he's also a truck driver. And so um, he was talking about how, you know, he had money. You know, if I needed anything, let him know he got me and. You know, I it didn't last. It really didn't. Like, I didn't even entertain that situation, put any more energy into it. Because the way I look at it, I'm older now. And so, just how you were attracted to me, you can be attracted to my 14, 15-year-old sister. You know, and I'm like, I don't, nah, I don't get down like that. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, situations like that. And that's just, too, to say the least that's not even including when I was raped that's not including when I was molested at 12 years old at Granger Chapel Church of Christ in Kinston North Carolina or Granger um Grifton North Carolina wherever the hell it is um and that boy I mean his grandma slapped the shit out of him but there was never any legal action taken in any of these cases. Even when I got raped, I was 14. And I didn't feel the need, like, what am I calling the police for? You know, who am I going to tell? Like, I kept that to myself for years. I carried that for years. I remember taking that shower. It was sort of like that scene, um that Jada Pinkett had when she got home from having sex with that man so she could get the money for, you know, her brother's tuition. Um, it felt like that when I got in the shower, like I was scrubbing myself and I was crying and I never wanted to talk to him again. I blocked him and, you know, I thought we were friends and they call him Lil T. His name is like T Skrilla, you know, they call him that, but his real name is Tehran. And um, he's from Cleveland, Ohio. He's in prison right now. But um, I even remember a couple years later telling my ex about the situation. And, you know, they ended up telling me, him and his sister ended up telling me that there was somebody else that had came forward before. And she was like, she was drunk, she was passed out. And he basically had sex with her while she was knocked the fuck out. And I'm like, wow, so he's done that before. You know, but even my ex-boyfriend, Tevin, like, he didn't do anything about that. He's actually still friends with the guy. Like, he's still friends with him. Um, he even gave the guy's brother my number. The, the guy's brother's in prison as well. And um, he gave the guy my number and was basically like, oh, yeah, you know, he needs somebody to talk to, you know, while he's in there. You know, old Rello, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, what the fuck? How dare you put this man in contact with me? Like, the encounter that I had with his brother, I don't want to talk to anybody connected to him, you know? And it's not his fault, but I'm just not cool with that. And I actually let Rello know like when he called I was like listen it's no hard feelings between me and you but your brother raped me and 
I just, I can't talk to you, you know, and I'm not even going to lie for a long time. I blamed you for it because you weren't there, you know, like Rello was locked up at the time and we all used to hang out together. Um, and so one day it was just me and his brother and he was like, come on. He kept saying, come on, like basically telling me to take off my clothes and I laughed it off. I'm like, boy, no, stop. And he just kept saying it over and over again. And I looked in his eyes and I realized, like, oh, shit, this nigga's not playing with me. You know, that was really painful. And so um, I explained what happened to Rello. I actually I was in tears, like, you know, I was just boohoo crying. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to cry. And he was like, nah, sorry. It's all good. Da, 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 da. And then Rello, um went back and told Tevin, who is my ex-boyfriend, that he didn't believe me. And Tevin really came back and told me the shit like, oh, that nigga Rello said he ain't believe you. And I'm like, why would you tell me that? You know, and, and a lot of these men, they're very insensitive when it comes to these subjects. And it hurts. It really does. Like, I was really hurt by that. Like, I didn't talk to Tevin for a long time. And he and I, our relationship was always, like, on some on and off stuff. Like, he would piss me off. I would stop talking to Tevin for months. And then when we get back together, it's like we never fell off. But after that particular situation, I was never able to reconcile with him again. Like, it's like, damn. Even I remember there was a time I was at Tevin's mom's house. And um, we was in the hood. We was in Claremont. And um, we just chilling and talking and drinking, me, him, and my friend Koya. Um, and, you know, he said that Lil T was out and that he was coming over. So Lil T and some other guy came over there. And the situation got heated, you know. We started arguing and I really wanted to fight Teron. Like, I'm like, yo, you a bitch. Like, you know exactly what happened. Stop trying to fucking play me like you just fucked me. Like, I had sex with you, and, you know, that's all it was. Like, that's not how it went the fuck down. That's not how it went down. Stop lying on your dick. Like, I was going to fucking, and Seven was literally holding me back. Like, nah, calm down, calm down. And I really think it was because he was afraid of retaliation because... Tehran is a shooter. Like, he kept saying, I, I'll shoot your ass. I'll shoot your ass. I was like, do it then, bitch. Like, when I say I was about whatever, like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I think that next time I saw him, I was 17 years old. So, um, that was really hard. I, I went through a lot with that situation. But I was really upset at Tevin for that. And I remember... Tevin's sister, Brittany, had came out, and she was like, Tevin, you can't do that. Like, you got this man in here calling this one, this girl a bitch. You talking about you love her. You want to be with her. He calling her a bitch, disrespecting her in front of your mama and your sister, and you not going to do nothing? Like, come on now. You got to be a man. Like, you know, she was just telling him, like, that shit wasn't cool. And so, you know... It is what it is. I felt really bad. I really did. Um, I was embarrassed. I Not even embarrassed. It was humiliating. That situation was humiliating. And more than anything, all I really wanted for him to do was have my back. That's all I wanted him to do was just to have my back, you know, just to be like, yo, you know, that's my shorty. That's my home girl. You know, that's my ex, whatever. And respect her. Like, why did you rape her? I just wanted somebody to have my back. I really did. And through all these situations, you know, I never 
took it to the point of calling the police or consulting like my uncle or my grandfather because I really felt like nobody would help, like nobody would listen. I know I had homegirls that I would tell, and like I said, it was years later. But um, the first person that I told was Koya, actually. It was actually after we left there. And she was like, no wonder you was acting like that. Like, she was like, wow, that's fucked up. Like, I wish you would have said something. I'm like, I couldn't, you know. Because I, all I kept saying to him was like, you know what happened, you know what happened. But nobody in the room at the time knew that he had raped me. And, um, yeah, that was really hard. But she was the first person I told. And matter of fact, it was it was two years later. So I got raped when I was 14. That situation happened when I was 16. And, um, yeah, so that was really tough. And... I even remember like a guy that I was dating um, at the time. His name was Ello. And um, Ello used to be like, how did you get raped? Like, he just didn't know, you know, like how that could happen to a person. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is the definition of rape? Like, don't you know what rape means? Somebody took my pussy away from me. They took sex from me. I didn't want to do it. The nigga put it in anyway. Like, that's what happened. But, yeah, um, that was really hard. Um, even talking to people now, that be like, oh, you don't never got to worry about that again. Ain't nobody ever going to do this, that, and the third to you again. I'll go get that nigga right now, you know. Like, watch what the fuck you say. You don't even know how many times I've heard that. Like, you have no idea how many people have said that they were going to do something to defend me and help me out and didn't do a motherfucking thing? You have no idea. You have no idea. Shit, I feel like I fucking survived R. Kelly without the money involved, you know? <laughs> and I can't even say, like, some people be like, oh, I wish I would have went through that and, you know, got some money out of it. I did it for free. It still wouldn't have been that shit not worth it. It's no amount of money that you could pay me that could make me feel secure. Like, when I say I don't trust no fucking body, I don't trust nobody. I done been so violated by my own family, by my family, like... I done been so violated. And so there's nobody that I trust. I mean, I trust people to a certain extent to where I'm able to communicate with them. But on the grand scheme of things, like, and I I really hate to say this, but I've always been like, when I have a child, they're not spending the night at nobody's house. I'm talking about these mother, my kids can't stay at my mom's house. That's on some real shit. That's real. That's the point where I am mentally, just so you guys can put it into perspective. My kids can't stay at my mother's house. I don't give a fuck. They will be at home with me, with their father. <laughs> if my kids say anybody touched them, anybody looked at them wrong, I'm going to flip my fucking lid. I'm going to flip it. There, there's nothing that you can't come to me and tell me as my child. There is nothing that you can't come to me and tell me about. I'm going to handle every situation. Even if I don't handle it that day. Because some things need to be meticulous. Some things need to be thought out and planned. Some people need to be executed. You know, but... Whew, I'm trying to tell you. It's the worst. It really is. And so I hope that this documentary is eye-opening for people who have never been through the situation. Or maybe they have. Shit, maybe. Or if you haven't, maybe you knew somebody. Maybe your sister or your aunt or your cousin or your mother has been raped before. Maybe you've heard a story. Maybe, like, who knows? But I hope that this is eye-opening for you. That this man has been doing this since the late 80s, early 90s. 
and nobody has said anything that his music was a dead giveaway that his name the Pied Piper of R&B you know and, and this is something that Kev on stage said in the video too he said that um He'd always heard that R. Kelly was the Pied Piper of R&B. I've heard that too. I didn't know what the fuck it meant either. But the Pied Piper is actually a mythical character who used to play the flute to lure children, like to capture their attention. And he's literally playing the flute and the children would be following him. That's some sick ass shit. That is sick. I was just riding down um, downtown Raleigh, close to Newburn Avenue. And, you know, when you ride all the way up, you end up downtown. And, you know, you turn on Blunt Street. You get closer to Shaw, da 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 So I'm riding down that area. And I see a man in the car talking to this woman or a girl. I don't know which one it was. I don't know if she was a girl. She was small. And she had on a fucking striped shirt with different colors in it and I got pissed off instantly I'm staring so hard at them trying to see if the person was a little girl or not I'm I'm trying to tell you like I be going I can't say I be going crazy but little things like that trigger me if I see an old man talking to a young girl I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do I don't know and I know that that could put me in a potentially dangerous situation but I would want somebody to protect me like that if I was their age like now I have this attraction to older men and I'm starting to question like do I even really like these motherfuckers or is something wrong with me like I'm completely questioning my sexuality I'm completely questioning the type of men that I like And because so many of these people are so manipulative and conniving and, you know, it, it bothers me that sometimes you could be in a situation with somebody that feels like you're still being raped, feels like you're being molested because they're being manipulative, you know, and that makes me have those qualities back, those same manipulative qualities right back with them. Like, you will not manipulate me. You will not get in my head. I'm smarter than you. And so... I hate having to feel that way. I hate having thoughts like that. I hate the fact that I think this way. I mean, I do. I hate being so defensive. I hate the fact that when I'm engaging with a man, you know, sometimes I I get that trigger like where I'm like, "Okay, I don't I don't want to do this." And you know, there's been times even with my ex-boyfriend like I would literally cry. Because he wanted to have sex and I felt like I couldn't do it. You know, there's so much trauma that I have to heal from. And hanging out with love, I'm not a therapist. I literally, I pour out my heart on this platform. I spend my money to travel and meet these different people so you all can learn other people's experiences and you know, learn from my mistakes and understand that there's people out here that are hurting in certain areas just like you, just to let you know that you are not alone in this, you know, like, I want hanging out with love to be that platform that's therapeutic for people, even though I can't legally at the moment have that kind of therapy. And you know what, now that I'm having this conversation with you all, I see a need for myself to go. Because I need to be able to heal from that. I need to be able to, you know, actively express myself and be an advocate for other women and other young young men too. Young men and older men who have been through the same thing. You know, it's not just women that go through things like this. It's not just women who have been sex slaves. You know, little boys are going through shit like that too. And, it, and that rape culture has to be destroyed. Eat rape culture, when it comes to men, is fucked up too because it tells these young boys, like, that's not rape, you know. Get it how you live. She giving it to you. You should be happy about that. You should want that. And it's like, that's a little ass boy. He's not interested in nothing like that, you know. Like, 
Wait until he's legal. Wait until he's not only legal but consenting to the type of sexual acts you're trying to perform on him. It's sick out here, y'all. It really is. People are sick. People are damaged. People are fucked up in the head. And you just have to be careful. You have to be careful with yourself. Ladies and and gentlemen, we do have to watch our back. That is the sad truth. But it's nothing that you can't overcome. And um, there are so many people who have been victims of sexual abuse. I know um, I went to Meredith College. If you've never heard of that, it's a pretty small college, all women. And um, it's in Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was just such a great school. And so for um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's in November. Don't quote me. But um, they wear these purple ribbons and they, you know, have these things that say like enough is enough and no means no. And, um, you know, they have panels where women discuss rape culture and all of those things that are taboo, you know, things that we don't normally discuss. And um, they've even opened discussions about race, you know, when they talk about the Michael Brown and Trayvon Martin situations. And, um, you know, we were able to express ourselves as young black women and young black men and talk about the reality. Uh, I say young black men, I'm done. Well, we were speaking on behalf of the men as well. But like I said, (laughs) it's an all women's college. And we were able to speak out, you know, on how we felt and like just the realities of being black in America and how you know, you really are discriminated against. And I, you know, have stories of myself being pulled over, never, you know, thinking consciously that I may be being harassed or, you know, anything like that. It's just, I just know I got to keep a cool head, answer their questions and keep it moving. And it's just a different ball game when it comes to um, white people and, you know, other races of people. So, yeah. Um, and I say all that to say, Forums like that should not just come in higher education. It needs to be had everywhere. These are dinner table conversations that people need to be having. You need to be talking about sex. You need to be talking about politics. People, oh, we don't talk about things like that. Fuck that. When else are you going to talk about it? People have homework. You have jobs. You have businesses. You have extracurricular activities. Like There's so many other things that you have to do outside of the family setting. That, you know, it's really important when you get together to have conversations like that and be able to talk about, you know, what happens to young women and young men, whether it's sexually or, you know, they're facing some type of discrimination or whatever. Like, open that up. Be that door. Be be that outlet for someone. You never know who needs it. I mean, sometimes I'm not even going to lie to y'all. Like, I really, I struggle. I struggle. Because I go through these periods of isolation, you know, which is essential for ascension anyway. Isolation is essential for ascension. But sometimes I really have the worst thoughts and some I don't know if. They're coming from, um, the flashbacks that I have or what, but I, I'm scared sometimes, you know, like thinking about my own personal mental health, like what else, what else am I going to be able to take? There was a situation yesterday where I was on my way to the trash can and um, apparently, you know, okay, I'm driving and I see a car that stopped at the trash can. So I stopped so the girl could back out and um, go do what she had to do. And so I was stopped behind a car who also wanted to back out, but I got to wait on one, you know, so I can move out from the other. So this girl taps her foot on the gas twice as if she's going to hit my car. 
So I'm like, what the fuck? I park the car, I hop out. Like, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm trying to back out. I said, I understand that. I'm waiting on this car. Like, you know, she's trying to back up. I got to get to the trash can. And I was like, stop fucking backing up. And so she stopped and I got in my car. I paused for a second just to see if she was going to try to do that shit again. Because I'm trying to tell you, I wanted to drag the little bitch out the car and whoop her ass. She's on the phone. She be blowing her horn all impatient and irate and shit. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, bitch, I will slice your ass out here. And so I got back in my car. I pull off and I pull up to the trash can. And when she backed out, she, you know, she steps on the gas, going back off fast. Just ignorant. Just an ignorant ass, ratchet ass bitch. So I get out and I put myself in the trash can and she at the stop sign talking cash shit. Barely got the window cracked, still on the phone, yelling out the window. I guess she was trying to flex for whoever she was on the phone with. And I said, girl, bye, get your ass on, you pussy. You pussy. Like, what? why didn't you keep that same fucking energy when I hopped out the car on your ass? You know what I'm saying? And I just was not about to argue with her because the way I look at it is, bitches like you, you gonna get me sent to jail. Period. I already see the bitch in you. I see what type of individual you are. Now I have the decision to move the fuck on. You gonna talk all that shit at the stop sign. Girl, take your ass on before I stomp you the fuck out. This is not what you want. And I did not let that go until earlier today, you know, because I, that's another thing when it comes to my anger. I don't let shit slide so easily. I don't. I hold grudges. And it's not intentional. It's just that specific emotion of anger just tends to stick with me. Anger and sadness. I don't know if that's across the board, you know, for everybody. But, you know, things that make me really sad, things that hurt my feelings, I don't forget them. And things that make me angry, it takes hard, it's longer, it takes longer for me to let those go. And so I really felt some type of way about that shit. And I, I wanted to slap her. Because why, why the fuck are you testing me? You know, but that's just the reality of the world that we live in. And... You have to make sure, I say all that to say this, if I wasn't in a good spot on the inside, because I, I, you know, I've been a lot more at peace. I've been taking my days to spend time alone, spend time in nature, you know, get away from social media for a while. People inviting me to their house to dinner and want to take me out and want to, can I come on and all this shit? I don't want to see no fucking body. I want to be by myself right now because I have to recharge. And that's what I've been doing, recharging. If I had not had that period of time, if I had been on go mode and work, school, work, school, you know, moving around all fast and not thinking clearly and not releasing, I would have fucked that girl up. I would have. I would have fucked her up. I wouldn't have thought twice about it. And I would not be able to record this podcast right now. Like, there would be no love up here right now. Either... I would be in jail about to get bailed out or, you know, in jail. Maybe they wouldn't let me out. Who fucking knows what would have happened, but shit could have got real. Shit could have got real. So you have to release. You got to release and you can't let these miserable motherfuckers get to you, man. We go through so much in life. You're already carrying so much. You got to let that go. I'm back, lady. <laughs> like Erica said, let that shit go, sis. Let it go, bro. Release. Like, it's that season. Whatever you were carrying in 2018, 2008, 2007, 2006, 2005, 2004, 2003, 2002, 2001, 2000. Whatever you've been carrying, let that shit go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Release. 
It's that time I'm crying. I'm all emotional. I'm doing a detox right now. My period coming on in a couple days. We just letting it all out. It's early. This is January. You know, first month of the year. We got to release, y'all. It's okay. I'm using this platform to share my story so I can be free. I want to be free. I'm tired of living like this. I don't want... Granted... We're not supposed to trust anybody that's understood, you know, from uh, an astral level to this this three-dimensional plane. But to walk around with literal, I mean, trust issues to the point where you can't even live life regularly. That's a problem. To be uncomfortable. To have men speaking to you and you like, uh, I don't feel like dealing with the motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? Like, at all. On no type of level. There's this boy in my neighborhood. I don't know how old this man is. I don't know. He looks young to me, but he'll speak to me from a distance. And, you know, I'll be speaking back and then he'll start walking towards me. Next time I see him and he does that, I'm be like, okay, this is the third time that I've had a conversation with you that you started walking towards me. Do not fucking do that. I don't like that. Like, I'm a woman, I'm by myself, respect my fucking space. And he's not walking up on me close to the point, like, I'm not even letting him get that close, because I start easing back. You know what I'm saying? But that's a trigger. What the fuck you doing? Like, back up. I don't give a fuck. Maybe you weren't taught social cues, but one of my social cues is pull this blade out. And cut this bitch ass nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, make him feel you. You get what I'm saying? Since, since he can't sense the vibe, since he not catching it through the air, make that nigga feel you. Like, that's what type of shit that I'm on at this point. Violence. Because I want to prevent people from trying to physically bring harm to me. Sexual assault is what they call it. I feel better. So (laughs) with all that being said, um, just to sort of recap this episode, this was all about surviving R. Kelly, um, the documentary, my personal story of sexual abuse and assault. Didn't even get to all of them. I refuse to. It doesn't even matter. Um, But I've been through a lot, you guys. I have. I've been through a lot. And I cannot say I can't say that I regret any of that happening to me. Sometimes I do say, you know, I wish that never happened. I wish it never happened, but um everything does happen for a reason. And I'm hoping that me telling my story will liberate another girl, even if nobody believe. I believe you. You know, hopefully it will liberate another young woman to come out and tell her story so she can be free and begin that healing process. Because healing starts when you open up that throat chakra and you're putting it all out on the table. You know, um, a lot of people experience sexual abuse from a family member, you know, uncle, you know, shit like that. And um, it's really, it's really something. It really is. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm at a loss, you guys. Or words. I wish there was more that I could say, but um, thank you for all of you who are listening right now. I just want to say that I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my story. I appreciate you all for sharing my content. I appreciate you for following me on social media and watching me. Um, if you're not following my Instagram or the Facebook page, it is at Hanging Out With Love. And um, if you ever want to email me and discuss any of the topics that I talk about here, 
email me at info at hangingoutwithlove.com and we can chat, you know. We can talk about all of the things that you feel like need to be discussed. And, um, you know, maybe if you have a topic that you would like for me to discuss here, I can do that as well. Or maybe you want to be a guest on the show. We can set all of that up, but um, be free. Speak your mind. Don't let anybody silence you, man. I don't care how scared you are. Open up. Speak out. Speak out and keep speaking out. Even if you lose your voice, write it down. Even if you can't write, type it. Your handwriting top sloppy. Your pen ran out of ink. Type it. You know, shout it from the mountaintop. Make sure somebody knows your story. You deserve to be heard. I believe you. I love you. And I thank you so much again. This is love. I'm out. (laughs) I think I'll give me some therapy. (laughs) Love and light, you guys. Peace. Oh, and um, also, tune in to another episode of Hanging Out With Love next Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You already know what it is. I have so much more to offer for this season. I told y'all this season was going to get a little bit deeper and it was going to get real. We've been discussing health. We've been discussing relationships. We've been discussing growth um, for businesses and, and, you know, creating nonprofit organizations and coming out, you know, with your sexuality, becoming comfortable with your sexuality and having those really, really important conversations with those that you love. And we're discussing rape and molestation and incest, all types of things like this is the season of that raw. The first season, it was like we were discussing a lot of important topics, but it we just didn't get as deep. We were only scratching the surface and it's only going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. Peace. Mwah.